Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us here. Nice Friday, Tim. We had some audio issues, but we ironed it out. We learned some new things. I didn't know I had audio on my camera. It's very exciting, but now we're we're sounding crisp, aren't we, Tim? We're trying to. Yeah, you sound good. We uh, we learned that even though you unplugged your mic, I could still hear you, which means you didn't have the right setup. But luckily for you, I was here. Tim's a tech master. He really is. It's it's he's a jack of all trades, master of all of them, which is rare. But thank you for joining us, everybody. We appreciate the support. It's a nice Friday. January is almost over. It's it's just flying by. I uh, it's almost 50 degrees here in Traverse City, which is crazy, which is kind of depressing. My kids birthday, the twins birthday is next week. And we usually go tubing on their birthday to Holiday Hills. And um, I don't think there'll be snow on the ground. So it's unfortunate. We have to pivot and do something else. Maybe go ice skating. I don't know. What's a good birthday idea for seven year olds in the winter? Like, what do you do? We do bowling for one kid. That's like her thing we do every year. The routine. Like, what what is a good birthday party for a seven-year-old go swimming are there the any, YMCA? like in indoor mini golf is there any of no, those around i don't think so there's like a gymnastics indoor but i don't know how much and then i'm trying to i don't want to spend too much money the tubing thing <laughs> is pricey as it is you got to pay for tubing for every kid and i think it's like 20 bucks but i don't know Tim. we'll see hopefully we get a little more snow because i'd like to ski i'd like to skate outside anyways you don't have that problem in north carolina you're probably bathing suit weather now sitting by the pool it's like high 60s right now. It's really strange. Like I had the AC on last night, which is just freaky. Yeah, it's really weird. And people walk around in shorts and stuff and kind of disorienting. It doesn't feel like winter. So we'll see. Nah, it's a good thing. You'll get used to it. Then you'll want to, you'll, it'll be fun to go see snow. All right. First, before we get into the show, I want to say thank you. Remember a few months ago, I asked people to send some baseball hats because my big head doesn't fit into mine and I just don't have any good ones. Finally. One of our listeners stepped up to the plate and sent me a hat. Ronnie Nilsson sent me this one for the the Sarpsborg Icehawks, fourth division team in Norway. So shout out to him. Very nice. He sent me a nice letter along with it saying, you know, he's, I don't know. It was was a nice, sweet letter. So thank you for, uh, you know, I'm sending the hat. I will probably wear it, like he said, doing my uh, yard work in the yard, and it'll get all nice and dirty. He's a goalie. So good for him. Appreciate it. Did he mention me in the letter at all? He did not. Surprisingly, he sent two letters. And I know you're testy about your audio. He said his, what did he say? He said his uncle is Matt Zuccarello's godfather. And he met Matt Zuccarello as a kid. And at the age of 12, he was chugging Red Bulls. So there you go. And apparently he played against Steve Parsons, who was a big AHL legend in Prague. He's got the PIM record in a Wilkes-Barre Scranton game. He's got huge hands, apparently. I've no, I, I don't know who Steve Parsons is. So apparently big hands. Maybe that means he's big a big fighter. fighter. But yes, thank you, Ronnie Nilsson from Norway. Have you ever been to Norway, Tim? I have not. Have you? I have. I have. I know you have, um, yeah. Beautiful country. Yeah, we went to uh, Arland. A-U-R-L-A-N-D. We rented a house on the base of a fjord for like a week. Beautiful country. Probably the most beautiful, picturesque landscape I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some stuff because we've lived a lot of places. But it was just that and I think Lugano, Switzerland. Very comparable, but Ireland was just special. 
All right, moving on. I, I, I have a grievance I want to air with my family. I think the, the parents in the audience can relate to this. Every time I walk through my kitchen, Tim, I don't know if this happens to you with your dog. I step on something. And it, it, it's a Cheerio. It's a goldfish. It's something. And then when, when it's really a treat, it's like a, a piece of banana. That's just on the floor and it's squishy and you step on it. It's just every single day I step on something. And I just, do you ever have that issue? It's my biggest pet peeve. I just hate it. And I know, I'm sure the parents all, all agree with this. And especially when you have a baby because you cut the stuff up and then they just yard sale it all over the kitchen. And then you don't have, you're not going to get every nook and cranny when you're cleaning up. So it's every day, Tim. And it's always Cheerios and Goldfish. It drives me bonkers because you can hear the crunch. And you go, that's going to be a pain to clean up. Because try sweeping up dust, Cheerio dust. It's like uh, so fine. You can't get it all. You have to get a vacuum. I'm sure you call the kids out. Like, what do they say? And they're like, yeah, we dropped the food. Who cares? They 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 could care less because they, they'll sweep it again. And then it'll just have it just it's a perpetual problem. Drives me nuts. It's, it's uh, I don't know. I don't know why I brought it up. I just it happened this morning where it was like three consecutive times through the kitchen. It was like Cheerio goldfish because we pack them snacks in the morning and then a banana and the banana is the worst because it's squishy you gotta change your socks or just wipe it on the carpet my wife loves that and it's just it's, it's unfortunate all right moving on you know what's not unfortunate our interview with jason demares what'd you think about that tim it was good um i mean he's he's on tv now so he's got like the ability to hold the conversation he has good answers he's very like charming and, and charismatic which is i thought was great um had some good stories the, the thing i wanted to bring up that and I saw a couple of comments on the YouTube about this. Does he was he joking when he talked? He I, I don't I forget exactly how he said it, but he basically said he's one of the most underrated players of his generation, right? W was he serious yeah. about that? Do you think? What I think what he was because it came off very smile. sincere. No, he was like he truly believes that. And I did you see my reaction? I was like, really? Like you can't you can't proclaim yourself to be the most underrated person. Unless you think highly of yourself, which says a lot. I, I I wanted to go down the rabbit hole there. I think I did ask him a follow-up question. But then, like you said, Jason likes to talk. And so by the time he finished his whole spiel, it was like three minutes ago, he mentioned that underrated player. So we'd already moved on. But yeah, what a statement. Yeah. No, I don't think he's under. I, is he underrated? Well, I don't know. I mean, a lot of times when guys miss a lot of time to injury, you know, he's not a star player, but he's probably like if he hadn't been able to play 82 games every season, didn't get hurt, didn't have the surgeries, he'd be a, a bigger name than he is. But he's not like he's like, oh, man, if I had stayed healthy, it was like me and Latang neck and neck. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like <laughs> it's so I don't know. I, I mean, I like the confidence. I like the chip on the shoulder. but And that's part of why he came back and like, you know, why he played in the KHL, because he knew that if he got a shot. He, or at least he believed that he belonged in the NHL, even at that point of, of his career. So I, I don't have a problem with that, but it is a bold statement. Yeah. I wonder if he sees his, you know, game type as like a Keith Yandel or, or one of those types of puck moving defensemen that kind of jumps up in the rush and kind of can do everything because, hey, you know, at his high, Damaris, he had 34 points in San Jose, but it's not like he was lighting the world on fire and he's not known for being a defensive defenseman so i don't know why he would consider himself underrated because it's not like people were calling him garbage 
right or, or not giving him the accolades because he wasn't due any accolades. Like he's just as steady as she goes, like number five, number four defenseman who can kind of maybe, maybe quarterback your second power play if you if you're in a pinch. But he's just solid guy. I, I that that surprised me to say the least. I, I was I was a little thrown back by that because he really he played one full season his whole career where he, where he got eighty two games, eighty one games he got in Florida. Other than that, it was like kind of injured this and that. So maybe that's what he was alluding to. Maybe he was injured. Didn't get a chance to show everything he's got. I don't know. He's a confident guy. The, you can't fault him in that, right? Yeah, he is. And one of the comments was like, "Yeah, I I understand why co- so many coaches didn't like him. <laughs> he was cocky, <laughs> and that was another that was another theme of the interview. Was just like he did not get along with a lot of the coaches, and and he, I don't know that he was necessarily wrong about it. But if you have a problem with a lot of people, then you know." Maybe you're the problem, you know? <laughs> well, that's, I said that to him. I said, you're, you seem to be the issue here. You're the common theme here with all this coaches issues. It's not, it's not him. It's you. So one of his former coaches, Todd McClellan, who he liked is currently the coach of the LA Kings, Tim. And it's, it's not all roses and, and superstars in Hollywood right now. Things are, things are turning south to the point where many hockey pundits are thinking that these guys might be sellers at the deadline, which is crazy to think. Because 30 days ago, on December 28th, right before the new year, they were sitting pretty in the Pacific Division. I think they were first or second. They were 27-4. and That's 20 wins, 7 losses, and 4 overtime losses. I don't want you to think I said 27. But they were were sitting pretty. Fast forward 30 days to exactly, well, 29. January 26th, today. They are 22, 14, and 9. That means since that time, 30 days ago, they've gone 2, 7, and 5. Not good for a team that after the first quarter of the season, they were looking like Stanley Cup contenders. What is going on now? And, and not just to, to pour gas on the fire. They're not losing to Stanley Cup contenders here during their losing skid because they play in the Pacific, which has some top-end teams. I'm going to give them their due but they also have some just atrocious teams at the bottom of that division. They're losing to those teams, and they're losing the likes of the Sabres, the Predators, the Sharks, the Ducks, all these teams losing. What's going on? What's going on in L.A., Tim? Yeah, this is a strange one because they were skidding a little bit and skidding a little bit, and we didn't really, like, I don't know, I I wasn't overly concerned, but they dropped, like you said, in in the course of less than a month from second in the Pacific to a wild card spot. And their lo- their losses, like in this last two weeks, they've lost to the Sabers, which is what where it kind of all came to a head. But before that, the Sharks, the Wings, the Predators, among many other teams. But the the Sabers one is really the one that stands out, and this is where all this stuff kind of came to a head. Like I said, because you have Drew Doughty speaking up in the media after the game. So what happened was the Sabers are playing the second game of a back to back. They should be tired. They're on the road. They should not be in this game, right? They're already a bad team to begin with. And the Kings had a three to one lead and they blew it. The Sabres scored four unanswered goals and that was it. The game was over. So Dowdy spoke up after the loss to the media in, in the in the room and basically said, we, are, we have guys in the room too worried about themselves and worried about their points. So he's basically saying guys are playing for themselves. They're not trying to do the little things. They're not trying to do the dirty things and pick up the the shovel and get to work. They're trying to look good and score goals and all that which is very similar to what Zadorov said back in like October, November about the Flames. 
Remember when he said that? I forget. I don't have it in front of me, but it's very, very similar. And for a defenseman, an aged uh, veteran defenseman to speak up so, like this in the media, I don't remember Dowdy saying anything like this before. He's not one to just like fly off the hip and say whatever he wants. Um, so it really carries a lot of weight that he went out and said that. Yeah, he's pretty well reserved, but reserved in a way when it comes to calling out your teammates and, and you know challenging them. So this is new to him, and I think it's it's the right time because he's doing this in a positive sense where he sees the potential on this team. He's not doing this, you know, on a team that's you know middle of the pack. He's not doing this and saying this stuff when he doesn't expect the team to win. He 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 sees the potential in this team, so he's calling it out. And when you look at their roster, Tim. When you look at how they're constructed, the guys up front, because he's talking to the forwards who are, who are, you know, sniffing for cookies, and that's what players do. I've been on lots of teams where guys do that, where they're upset if you win three to four to one and they didn't get a point. They're coming into the room complaining and throwing stuff. It's not Kopitar. It's not Dano. It's not Kempe. It's not Trevor Moore. It's not Fiola. Those guys have been there quite quite a few years. Who else could it be? Is it Pierre-Luc Dubois, the new guy on the block? Maybe that could be it. A guy who's been known to to frustrate teammates and coaches by his, you know, style of play. You know, a guy who wasn't John Tortorella's favorite, got traded, has issues with the coaches every single team he goes to. Maybe, you know, the new car smell is worn off with Pierre-Luc Dubois and players are getting frustrated with his style of play. That's maybe what it could be alluding to. Other people are saying this. So I am saying allegedly here potentially maybe because i gotta be careful with my words now so in my eyes this is me thinking i don't know anything i think he's talking to pierre luc dubois this this is a wake-up call for him because it's not trevor trevor lewis i don't think it's one of the fourth line guys who are sniffing for cookies so it has to be a guy who gets some ice time and is maybe taking chances when he shouldn't be taking chances so this is a huge wake-up call for this team they need to Cut the crap and get back to winning style of hockey. Obviously, they're missing some players. I don't know. Matty Roy's back in the lineup. So, I don't know. It, it, it's it's definitely a wake-up call, especially when the guy who's playing 26 minutes a game, he's your all-star, he's your MVP, Drew Doughty. The guy's going to have a statue in front of the rink when he retires. That's the kind of weight he holds with this team. If they give Dustin Brown a statue, how, how big of a statue do you think Drew Doughty's going to get? And Kopitar. Statue of Liberty. By, by yeah. the way, why, why does Dustin Brown have a statue outside of that hockey rink, the Staples Center. That doesn't that bizarre to you, Dustin Brown? I mean, that's, that's a he's a heart and soul guy, you know. Win two cuffs. He was the captain, <sighs> right? I mean, yeah. As far as statues go, go, though, like that's got to be the worst one out of all of them. Well, did, uh, did he put up uh, like points? And was he no? Oh, was he the best player on the team? No. Was he second best player on the team? No. Third best? No. Never. But he body checked pretty good, and you know you had a good attitude. Crazy that he got a statue. But anyways, that that's a whole other show. Back to Drew Doughty. I like this. I think this is good. Yeah. This, this shows well, his leadership. It might be Pierre Luc Dubois because he's obviously a problem. He's an eight million dollar player playing on the fourth line. Like this is not what you thought you were trading for. But we don't know. He didn't call anyone out by name because ultimately, at the end of the day, like this skid belongs to more than one person. It's the whole team. And, and Dowdy's probably as much to blame as anyone. As good as he is, the team needs to be better. And this is what the coach said after the game, uh, Todd McClellan. He said, quote, the stupidity, the stupidity that went into that loss is beyond explainable. He's talking about the Sabres loss. When you look at the team that played the first 25 or 30 games, if you will, it doesn't look like the team that's playing right now, and I'm responsible for it. So that 
part is good. He's taking responsibility for his team's performance, which is what you want from a coach. This is not Sheldon Keefe saying, I don't know who I can trust right now. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. is this is him saying, this is on me and I got to figure this out. But now people are saying his job's on the line. And some a lot of fans want him gone. And this is strange because he's in year three of his of his tenure. First year, outseated expectation. This is the year that they went to the playoffs when no one expected them to, 21-22. Last year, probably met it. You know, you you had a good team and you thought you'd, you'd make the playoffs and go on a little bit of a run. I don't think you did too much better or worse than what you could expect of that team. This year is obviously a big regression. You're in a wild card spot. You're fighting for your playoff life in, in January, February. Like, this is not a good look for them. So, Todd McClellan, do you feel like getting him on the chopping block is a good move or should they wait a little bit longer before they do anything? I always try to think of who who would be better than him, right? And, and I think he is probably the best option right now. Maybe you give him another month, but it, it's it's that, too late in the it's too late in the season, right? To fire him, like it's, it's let's get to Mayor's yeah, opinion on which. Coach is. Yeah, he's, oh, he's got a list of who he likes and who he doesn't like. It's a short list of who he who he likes. Kevin Connaughton, apparently, he's the only guy. But um, I think you keep him. I think he's a good coach. I like yeah. what he's saying, like you mentioned, taking kind of accountability for what's going on. And they have a good team. They just have to start playing the right way, playing uh, Daryl Sutter hockey. That's that's how they have to play. They need to go out there, be solid defensively. When you have the centerman that they have, Kopitar, Deneau, De- Dubois and Trevor Lewis, you have to play smart defensively. That's how those guys, you know, make their money. And if, if you try to deviate away from that and start to play cutesy, try to play – you know, Trevor Zegers type hockey, you will lose. And so these guys should be winning hockey games three to one, you know, three to two, four to one, get an empty net goal. They're, they're, they're not going to get in shootouts. They probably could. Quentin Byfield's had a very good year, kind of broken out of his shell of his first few years where he kind of struggled a little bit. And you got Kempe. The Dubois trade was a terrible trade. I think that's what it's coming down to. Imagine if they, if they still had Ayafalo and Velarde. It's a fairly dangerous team. With those two guys on the, on the line, you you put them right on the second line with Philip Deneau. That's it's a beautiful second line. So yeah, I think they'll write the ship. I really do. They they're they're too good. The one question mark is goaltenders. You know, you Jonathan Quick didn't work out. You're you're rolling with Riddick and Cam Talbot right now. Phoenix Copley has heard he was never really the starter, but you, do you like any of those goaltenders? Dan Riddick cast off from Calgary. Cam Talbot kind of bounced around quite a bit. Maybe finding his groove a little bit. I I don't think the goaltenders are that great on this team, but I don't know. Do you see them riding the ship, Tim? Are they going to figure out a way to get into the playoffs? I think they will. I think they're probably too good not to, um, but it's scary. And, and, and even Greg Wyshynski tweeted out, you know, he's reached out to someone in the league about, you know, how bad the, the Kings have been playing. And the response was it's changed, it's changed the math quote unquote of the NHL trade deadline. Meaning these guys, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be sellers, but if if they're not looking to buy and add because they don't think they can compete this year, they don't think this team, this group has it, that does change the math. That changes the whole outlook of this. And the Oilers, who have won like 15 in a row now, I think, jumped yep. up ahead of them. You know what I mean? And so like it's it's very plausible to think that Calgary or Seattle or some of these other teams could jump up if, if um, L.A. keeps skidding. So, Nashville, you know what I mean? So they need to start winning some games. They need to start doing it soon. Yeah, and this is their team. When when you look at their cap situation, they have their top guys, Kopitar, Dubois, Fiala, Deneau, Kempe, 
more, they're all signed for the next two, three years and longer. So this team isn't changing overnight. So you have to figure it out. And I think they'll be fine. I'm actually pretty high on this team right now. I don't think you should push the panic button that quickly. I think you give them a little more rope because it is such a veteran laden team. These guys have been around the block a few years. They've been together a few years. The only new piece is Dubois, and they that meshing isn't quite working out as of yet. I think maybe they were hoping with him, maybe he would just be around Kopitar and by osmosis, he would start to be more responsible defensively, and it would just wear off on him because Kopitar is such a good role model. You be around that guy, and you just want to be just like him. Do everything he does, and you'll be a good hockey player. Dubois has the skills. He has the skill set. But it's just a mindset that he doesn't have to kind of put one and two together and make three and go, okay, I'm I'm, a, I'm that hockey player now. So, I don't know, Tim. Early reports, not good for Dubois. And like you said, 8.5. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a guy who's languishing on the third and fourth line and only getting like 14 minutes a night. You want him to be a top-performing guy. He's got 20 points in 45 games, and he's a dash 14. Not good Not enough. Good. No, no. Damn. That's He's that's like a so three million dollar player. Three. He's eight point five. If you look at all the ah. other guys making eight point five, every single one of them is better than Dubois. Anything else on LA, Tim? Before we move on. No, I could just lament this the signing and the trade for PLD forever. But I don't know this one. <laughs> It's easy to be the Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, they shouldn't have made that deal. They shouldn't have given them that money. But I feel like most of us were saying that at the time. You know what I mean? It's not just because of the last 45 games that we're critical of him. Like, he's been an issue in a couple of different franchises. I mean, we we beat this thing to death. It's just it's strange to me. Now it's coming back to bite him, you know? Right out the gate, but, I said Winnipeg got the best player. <laughs> and yeah. I was right. Velarde, I'm like, he's the top guy in this trade. I don't know what, I don't know what uh, LA's doing. But obviously they saw a need and they tried to fill it. Dubois is, when he's playing his game, a very good second-line center. But they already had that in Deneau. I, I still, to this day, don't understand the trade. Moving on. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Give Better. Shout-out, Tim. we got a shout-out to listener Chris, who won $100 yesterday. 100 American dollars. He won from Give Better because he, he nailed the five picks on the game. I don't know what game it was, but he nailed it. So shout out to him. Good for him. Now they're adding fantasy hockey games, everybody. So Tim and I are live on the air. We're going to do one. Saturday's game, Leafs versus Jets. Very easy. Pull up the Give Better app. You can see it here on my phone. There's three games to pick from. You got the two football games, obviously, this weekend. Toronto, Winnipeg, back-to-back. They played yesterday. It was a 0-0 game going into overtime. Austin Matthews gets a game winner with 40 seconds left. I watched the whole game. Fairly fairly good game for a 0-0 game, Tim. Ilya Samsonov played lights out. He's back, baby. Is he on your fantasy team? No, I dropped him like a month ago. Smart. Smart. Yeah, he played terrific. He had a 2-1-0 he faced when they were sh- they were on the power play. So it was a shorthanded 2-1-0 for uh, Winnipeg. He made fa- two fantastic saves. I think it was on Perfetti and maybe Lowry, I want to say. But just, just the lights out. He played really, really well. He had his angles, making saves look very, very, very easy. So anyways, we're picking him. And it's, it's such an easy thing. Look, at they give you a cute picture. It's TJ Brody. Is TJ Brody going to have 3.5 fantasy points? And here's how the fantasy points work. Goals are worth three points. Assists are worth two points. Shots on goal are worth a half a point. That's it. So all Brody has you, to do is get an assist or a couple shots on goal. Right, Tim? 
Yeah, there are more. You can go in the settings and read the rules. I just put a couple up as an example, but you have like plus minus and you have um, uh, pims and all the, all, all the other stuff that you normally would have. And you basically just pick an over under uh, 3.5 fantasy points for Brody. If you don't like swipe Brody, you don't want to. Swipe down. You can also swipe left to right because they give yep. you like eight or 10 players to choose from. So you don't have to pick one or the other. Um, well, I'm going like, to pick this one because Brody's been playing terrible lately. He's been on a, a very bad streak. He's even said it himself. So I'm swiping down. He's not going to get 3.5 fantasy points. I, I don't care what he says. Dylan DeMello, my former teammate in San Jose, he's got 2.5. The faces the faces make me nervous, though. We got to work on the faces because it's just – it looks like Dylan, but it, but it looks a little creepy. But anyway, Dylan DeMello, 2.5 fantasy points. What do you think, Tim? Uh, under. Under. under he's not a he's not a fantasy guy really and he doesn't get many shots i'm going under as well the next one nikolai ehlers 3.5 i'm going heavy over on this one this guy shoots the puck a lot he's on the power play he's going to pick up an assist and get like four shots on goal that's over 3.5 right tim that's right can yep. we do that you do the next one tim who do we got connor hellebuck um connor hellebuck i'm gonna go with the under just because the leaves have the ability to put up a lot of points on the board and and i don't know it's, it's hard to bet on a goalie having a good game against toronto just with all that offensive firepower so i'm going with the under for hellebuck how do the goalies get points for saves yeah saves yep and goals allowed you know minus ones did you see keith bench the top power play unit Last game yeah. for a solid period and a half sent a huge message. There was one power play that didn't even go out. Toronto had five straight power plays. The one where they gave up the two on O. Keith ripped into him on the bench. Marner and Matthews didn't see the ice for the next power player. It was I loved it. Very 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 solid move by him. It won't, it won't make a that. difference. It's not going to make a difference. But I, I at least he's trying. You know what I mean. So anyways, they had zero goals last game until overtime. Imagine what happens when Connor Hellebuck's in that. This guy's a star. I'm going over. He's going to get more than four and a half fantasy points tonight. Martin Jones is he even starting. I'm going to swipe because I don't know if he's starting. I think Samsonov might get the net again. What are your thoughts, Tim? Yeah, I'm swiping. I don't like that one either. I don't like We're it either. Just... The next one, Matthew Nice. What do you think? Look, that's another creepy picture too. I just just get the app. Just to look at the pictures because some people like this stuff. It's like anime. See that? If I you're think on it's YouTube, cool. check yeah. it out. Tim likes it. What do you think? 3.5 for Matthew Nice. I went with the under for Hellebuck, which means I'm going to go the over on some of the uh, offensive players for Toronto. So I'll go with the over for Nice. He had a good game the other night. I think he'll 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 put up a couple of points. He did not have a good game the other night. I'm going to go under. Good game would be scoring a hat trick, Tim. He didn't have a good game. This All right, I got my picks. You got Mitch Marner, don't you? The last one. What do you think of Mitch Marner? Um... I'm going to go five and a half is a lot of points. That's a, that's a pretty heavy over under. I'm going to go with the under. I'm under for Marner. All right. And we got our five picks. They got Brody, DeMello, and Nyes under. I got Hellebuck and I, Ehlers over. And if I nail them all, I get $100. That's it. That's that's how easy it is. It took us, what, five minutes, and we're dragging it out just because trying to explain it. It's a very fun thing. I'm going to confirm it, lock it in. And who knows? I could be a hundred dollar richer, richer tonight after the game. You could do this too. Go to GiveBetter.app/dtg. Check it out. Make your picks. Be like Tim and I, which is a very low bar we set, but you could do it. Go to GiveBetter.app/dtg. Win yourself a hundred dollars. It helps us out a little bit, and you don't have to give them any information. Go and do it. If you win, they ask you your address. They send you a hundred dollars. Bingo, bango, bongo. You're rich. That's all we have to say. And then with that $100, you can buy me a hat. All right, moving on. The Columbus Blue Jackets 
Shocker. Nobody ever anticipated this. They're open for business. They want to trade some players. Who would have ever thought a team that's terrible and can't find a winning streak if it fell on their doorstep? They want they want to trade some of their players, Tim. What what is the GM saying? Shocker. The GM wants to trade players. This guy who's like a Vegas a steamboat gambler wants to deal. What what is he saying, Tim? Yeah, this is a report from Darren Dreger, obviously, so that means it's 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 reliable. The two names that are getting tossed around right now are Patrick Line and Ivan Provorov. Let's start with Provorov. He's actually had a pretty good season, all things considered. And the thing with him in, in, in Philadelphia was that he was a defensive liability, and he always was able to put up points. Um, he didn't put up as many points the last year or two just because the team wasn't very, very good. But he's a guy that, you know, in the right situation could score 50-plus, and he likes he, he racks up a lot of assists. He's a solid offensive player, but on a bad team, again, you're not going to, the stats are not going to be that great. So he's a guy that you might pick up if you're looking for a guy that can put some offensive in the back end for you. The other name, Line, though, is really, really interesting. You know, there's not a surprise that the Blue Jackets are de- dealers at the trade deadline. You know what I mean? This yep. guy loves to wheel and deal. They're at the bottom of the league. Of course, they're going to be looking to offload contracts. But the fact that Line's name is being thrown around is a little, is, it's surprising to me. Um, he's under contract for two more years after this one, $8.7 million. I'm sure he'd love to get rid of that contract, but I don't know how many guys are going to bite on that, especially when you think about just – it's a lot of commitment. He's not been healthy really ever. Well, are um, you surprised by the fact that he's on the market, or are you surprised by what? The surprise isn't that Columbus is is looking to move him or looking to move players at the deadline, but you don't hear his name get tossed around a lot in in trade reports. You know, obviously he was traded once in his career so far, but they they still hope that he can go back to being what he was earlier in his career, a 50-goal scorer. And the fact that he's being willingly and openly shopped does seem surprising to me. Yeah, I understand that too. And you always want to to get the most out of your players and have them live up to the contract. Eight point seven million dollars is a is a lot of money. But look at what he's done since he's arrived in Columbus. He hasn't cracked twenty six goals. He hasn't played more than fifty six games. He hasn't lived up to anything to the player he was in Winnipeg, like you mentioned, where he's getting 44, 36, 30 goals. He's cracking the thirty goal mark every year in Winnipeg. Then he gets to Columbus, and it's been an abject failure ever since he's been in Columbus. He didn't well gel well with Tortorella when he first got there. Conceivably got Tortorella fired, butted heads with him right away, getting healthy scratched, getting benched, all sorts of issues when he first got to Columbus. And it just hasn't changed. New coach, new system, same results. Made a decent year last year, 52 points in 55 games. But again, 55 games. We need you to play 82. When you look at the stars in the league, they don't miss much time. The Matthews, the Marners, the McDavid's, the Dreitzidles, the McKinnons, those types. They're never injured for more than a few days at a time, right, Tim? So if, you, if you're paying a guy $8.7 million, you, you need him on the ice. And maybe it's not his fault. I understand that. But at a point, you just become an injury label. And you're that guy who just can't stay healthy and GMs don't trust you. So if I'm Yarmo, I'm I'm running away from this contract if I can. Like if you're much like Dubois, if you're getting eight million or more, you have to produce a point per game. That seems to be the going rate. And if you're not doing that, if you're not close to that, like and then again, he is, but he has to stay healthy. I don't know. It's such a weird thing because I can see in Yarmo's mind, okay, if, if he plays eighty two, he's gonna put up eighty two to a hundred. But he just can't do it. So it's such a tough situation. And 
the team's not winning. So why, like you have to switch something up. And the main thing you can do is just shed some salary and get some new fresh faces in there. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think anybody takes them, but he should shop them. Yeah. I, he's such a polarizing player in a way. Cause if you, if there's, if you made a list of every player who has like the biggest difference between his ceiling and his floor, line yeah. is near the top of that list, you know, if not the top of that list, because he can be an elite goal scorer. We thought he was a Vetchkin 2.0 when mm-hmm. he came on the scene. You know what I mean? Like he was just scoring and shooting a ton. And and he is productive, like you said. He's basically been a, just under a point per game player over the last two seasons, but he's only played 55 and 56 games. You got you to gotta stay healthy. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to invest that type of money in a player, you need him to be on the ice. And if you're a GM, I'm not looking to take that risk unless you take a lot of money up back on it. You know, there's going to yeah. be some salary cap retention if you want to move him. Which I don't know what that number is. If I'm a GM, I'm not touching it regardless. I just don't want the headache. But then again, I'm like I'm back on the line trade where I look at his his you know his his stats. He's six five, two hundred and ten pounds. He's only twenty five years old. There's a lot of wear left on those tires. So if you get him and you put him in the right situation, this guy could easily put up fifty goals. He has that type of shot, that type of finish. No, no pun intended because he is finished, but he he does have that ability. So, gosh, I go back and forth on this because it, it's – and then I find myself being sucked into the Galchenyuk effect where it's like he's done it before. Maybe we can get the best out of him. But I feel like I feel like there's more juice on this this rind here with, with lining where I can squeeze it and get a lot more out of it. So, goodness gracious. This would be – this is a GM's nightmare. Because you you trade for this guy and your job depends on it. Because if it goes south, it's on you. But if he hits it out of the park and he ends up being a 50-goal scorer, you look like a genius. Then you could just sign wherever you want. Sign Like, name your number. And the president will sign it because you got this guy for a good number. Yeah, Patrick Laine is the type of guy that makes or breaks careers for coaches and GMs. You know, it, it's, again, extreme highs and extreme lows. And, and your reputation's on the line for it, so... Not Yarmo. Somehow Yarmo still has a job. He's just sneaking by. Terrible Ooh. trades, terrible no trades, still has a job. I cannot I cannot wrap my him and Shovel Day off in Winnipeg. I don't know what they do. Maybe it's because they just can't afford. You know what I mean? They're a small market teams and they can't afford to bring in a high end GM who's gonna require a lot of money. So just re- keep resetting. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. You know what I you know what I mean, Tim? I've heard that before. I know. I said it, I think. I think it's because of me. All right, one last team I wanted to touch on. Ottawa Senators. I I threw this on the agenda. I just wanted to do an update because DJ Smith got fired about a month ago, maybe two month and a half ago, and everybody expects the team to have an uptick, you know, try for the new coach. The new coach, Jacques Martin, guy who's been there before, a guy who doesn't really bring many new ideas, kind of the same old thing, same old coaching techniques. We're going to do the one, two, two. We're going to come back hard through the middle. We're going to break out this way. Very, you know, meat and potatoes type stuff. Nothing revolutionary. He's come in. The Sens have taken off, haven't they, Tim? No. You're seven, nine and two, last place in the Atlantic, 29th in the league. Can we, can we just put a, put a fork in this team now? Can we say they're done and it wasn't the coach's fault? Because we got DJ Smith, we got Jacques Martin, we had Guy Boucher, we had another guy for a cup of coffee. Is can we finally say? No offense to friend of the show Brady Kachuk, maybe it's not the coaching technique or the style. Because DJ Smith had a good four year run, Jacques Martin's been there for now a month and a half. He's implemented his system. Sucks. 
what do we say? Can we blame it on the players now? We can blame it on the players, but what do you mean by like they're done? Like obviously their season's over, but like what else can you do when you have all your core players locked up? Trade them. The the one difference between Columbus and Ottawa, the main difference here, Patrick Laine is hurt. He has a bad reputation. GMs are, are gun shy on him. It's not the same about Stutzel. It's not the same about Kachuk. It's not the Sabathurst maybe injury issues. They have some good young players that are tradable. Obviously, Chitrin's on the market right now. He doesn't want to resign, so they've thrown him out there. Ottawa has a lot of valuable young players that they could flip and get a lot of return on, whether it's a prospect and draft picks, whatever it may be. And they're locked up long-term, which GMs like. They don't want to have to deal with the contract negotiation as soon as they get a player. They have guys locked up long-term. And they're not a no-move clause. Like, everybody's free. Stutzla, you can trade him whenever you want. Same with Kachuk, same with Norris, same with Batherson, same with Joseph. All of these guys you can deal whenever you want to whoever you want. Is it time to move on from some of these players? Obviously, you're not going to trade Kachuk. Guy's a stud. He makes a reasonable $8.2 million. He does everything you want for this team. He fights. He hits. He's the heartbeat of this team. Maybe you start to move on from other people, Tim. I know Stutzla is only 22. I don't know. Out of those five I just mentioned, well, we'll throw a Shabbat Shalom in there. Out of those six, which one would you think you would want to move on from? I would pick either Norris or Shabbat. Um, I think the upside is just way too high for Stutzla. And, and if you keep if you trade Shabbat, then you've got the ability to lock up Chitrin if he wants to be there. Cause maybe, cause, and we know that he was kind of saying he didn't want to be there. But if he's the number one guy, maybe that maybe that his tone changes. You also got Sanderson and Zub, and um, you have a good defense. But I, I can't see any situation where you're going to get a good return for Stutzla that makes you better. And the other thing you have to keep in mind is, like, I know that like, this group has been together for a while, and this is the core that has not – proved anything but they're still so young brady's 24 norris 24 stutzler's 22 like don't you want to give them time to develop a little bit more before you make any rash decisions because you know if you trade uh, if you trade stutzler for example he's going to put up 100 point seasons for other teams in the league for many many more times and you don't want him to be the one that got away just because you couldn't wait another year or two to build a winning culture i don't know i I don't see any reason to blow this up necessarily just because okay. of the age. All right. I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just saying it's it's a win now league and, and GMs are aware of that. I know I know Steve Stales is new. He he's just, you know, getting his head wrapped around this team. I think he came in this year, I wanna say. So he was an intern last year, took over, you know, I think the new year this year. So he's brand new to him. So obviously he has no pressure to date, but Fast forward a year, two years, and he's done nothing. They're still languishing in last place in the Atlantic. Then you start to feel the pressure. So I don't know. All I'm saying is the project is over. You know, the build up, the the what ifs. Who was it? Their owner who said it, the guy who passed away. He said, we're done, you know, building. Now it's time to win. And that was two years ago. And they haven't done any winning. So they had the good run last year at the end of the season. It was exciting, but I, I think it's time you have to start maybe making some changes. I don't know who that is. I think you're right with Stutzla. You don't want to move him. Maybe it is Shabbat Shalom. Maybe it is you, you have some good you know, defensemen on the roster. Maybe move on from him. But like I said, you win the you win the Stanley Cup down the middle on the back end. Who knows? Who are their centermen? That's what I want to know. Let's look it up. They got uh, Brady Kachuk at center. 
And then who else do they got uh, down the no. middle? Brady's and a winger. Norris, get... Norris Stutzla, Pinto, and Chartier. Not very imposing. I'm moving Josh Norris. I agree with you. All right, moving on. Let's do some DoorDash. Quick hits brought to you by DoorDash. Yes, they are. When you want quick food, you go to DoorDash. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code NATION25, all caps, offer valid in Canada. Subject to change terms apply. Yeah. Uh, the first one here, a little bit of a surprise for me, I thought. Um, the Hawks signed their goalie, Peter Mrazek, for a two-year extension of 4.25 per. He's been great for them this year, but I would have thought they would have wanted to move him and get another piece for the future, but they locked him up for another two years. What do you think about that? Yeah, he's been excellent this year. Every time he's in the net, he gives them a chance to win. I've said it on the broadcast many times. He's my MVP for the Hawks this year, but I also have said they traded. They they, they just re-signed their three best trade chips. They, they re-signed Nick Foligno, they re-signed Jason Dickinson, and they re-signed Peter Mrazek. So if you're building for the future, wouldn't you want draft picks? I, I just I didn't understand that. And I get the GM's reasoning because they still have a ton of money. They could sign people. But draft picks are draft picks. You could have gotten first-rounders for Dickinson, and he's a great player. Like You could have got some something back for him. So I get it. It's, it's hard to find a good goaltender, and Mrazek has been fantastic this year. His first real season as the 1A, and he's been lights out. For as much as they lose, if they didn't have him, oof, it would be – look at when Arvid Soderblom plays. It's a completely different score. Like, uh, Mrazek's been very, very good. So, And they get him at a decent price. 4.25 is a good deal for a goaltender of his talent right now. All right, the next one, I'm not, I'm not happy. He's on my fantasy team. Jack Hughes is on the IR retroactive to January 5th, so 20 days ago. Um, he won't skate again until after the All-Star break. And they also moved, the, the Devils moved Dougie Hamilton to LTIR. Just, you know, two key players that are really impacting their ability to win games when they're fighting for a playoff spot. They're on the, on the outside looking in. Tough look for uh, New Jersey. The next I just one put here, him on the like, IR. Guess who's on my IR now for my fantasy team? I got Hughes, Bedard, and Nishuskin. It's just <laughs> murder, murderer's role, literally with Nishuskin, murderer's role, allegedly. Duh. It's just teasing <laughs> you guys. I don't want to get in any trouble. Um, the Oilers are now tied for the third longest win streak in NHL history, 15 wins. They're closing in on a record of 17 held by the Penguins in 92-93, otherwise known as one of the best teams of all time. So um, really close to making history here. This is just an incredible run from uh, the Edmonton group. Okay, so the record is 17. Do they make it? Who are they so, playing next? So they've got, they got 15. They just mopped up the Hawks. They play the Nashville Predators next tomorrow. Do they win that game? No. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, they lose. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for playing, everybody. Thanks for playing. Appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, moving on. Tim's really great at this. Okay, what else, Tim? Um, the last one here, the hit last night, Montreal and New York Islanders. Brendan Gallagher threw a hit on Adam Pellich. This got people pretty upset. In my opinion, it's a late hit. The elbow's up. He targets the head. Easy automatic suspension. The question is how many games? What did you think? Four games. Four. By the way, it's a dirty hit. Yeah, so dirty. And this is where I'd compare it to mine. Way worse than my hit on Louis Erickson. Way worse. This guy extends the elbow. He nails him right in the head, and he's only going to get four. My hit, better circumstances. I'm going straight at Louis Erickson, and I get seven, and it was my first offense. I'm just, you just watch. Gallagher gets four. 
or less. That's that's what I think. I think he gets three to five, Tim. I don't think he gets an in-person hearing for this. What do you think? Yeah, that that sounds about right. I've seen anything from like, you know, I think Frank said automatic four plus. Carlo Koliakovo, I want to say, said it should be 10 games, which sounds like a lot. Carlo, but, that's hilarious. Well, what I want to go back to a couple of weeks ago was like you said, the league needs to look for opportunities to set precedents and set the tone and send messages. And isn't this a great opportunity to do that? Because Gallagher's a good player, but you're also not costing a playoff team a, a good player for two weeks. You know what I mean? Like you can you take this opportunity to tell the rest of the league this isn't going to be tolerated by throwing the book at him. Um, I, I don't want that for him. I think he's a cool guy and he's a good player. He doesn't cross the line all the time. He's never been suspended, but this was a dirty hit. Maybe just take this chance to to send that message. Yeah, you would think so. There's been some news. He has a hearing today with the uh, Department of Player Safety. It's a phone hearing, so not in person. So the max he can get is five games. So I agree. This could be a, a chance to set the tone, but it's not. So Gallagher, I think he gets four. That's all he does. All right. Anything else, Tim? Uh, that's it. That's it. There, was a, there was a big signing that just signed, Owen Tippett. Of the Philadelphia Flyers, late breaking news, just signed an eight-year, $6.2 million uh, contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. So wow. good for Owen Tippett. Good trade. Good trade for them. Where did he came in from? Uh, where did he come from? Is he Buffalo? I don't remember. Was he Buffalo? I thought he was Arizona, maybe. But yeah, he, he yeah, signs eight, eight years, $6.2 million, $49.6 million total. He's on track for a good year, a 30-goal, 50-point campaign. So good for him. Came in, Panthers, played well. Super. He was drafted by the Panthers in 2017, 10th overall. So there you go. Philly's Philly's rounding out the roster for the future with Owen Tippett. I like it. Anyways, all right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.